This is the Under the Sun Podcast, your home for news, analysis, and interviews from around Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. Now, here's your host, Jake Griffith. What's up, everyone? You're locked into the Under the Sun Podcast, your home for news, notes, interviews, you name it, around Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. I'm your host, Jake Griffith. Sort of an abridged episode three today. Had to make a couple last-minute shuffles, but we will hear from App State head coach Dustin Kearns. We'll also do a deep dive into the standings on both the men's and the women's side. I want to start on the men's side, though. Because it was a really exciting weekend in Sunbelt men's basketball. Kind of a topsy-turvy weekend. We saw uh, a little bit of a shakeup. Uh, Southern Miss handed its first loss. Louisiana Monroe also handed its first loss. Right now, Southern Miss, Troy, Georgia Southern, and ULM all 3-1 and one atop the Sunbelt Conference. Southern Miss will travel to Marshall in a nationally televised game Thursday night, a 9 p.m. Eastern tip-off. That'll be huge. You can catch it on ESPN2. The Golden Eagles have looked really, really good. Perhaps the two biggest surprises right now, Georgia Southern and ULM. Georgia Southern actually handed Marshall a loss over the weekend, Thundering Herd able to rebound and improve to 2-2 two and two with a win at home against Coastal Carolina. James Madison, they're at 2-2, two and two, knotted up with Louisiana, Marshall, ODU, App State, and Texas State. JMU had a tough week on the men's side, an 0-2 weekend, saw them lose to Texas State and to App State on ESPN2. But going back to Louisiana Monroe, ULM, the Warhawks, what an impressive job Keith Richard has done with this team this year. You look at the preseason poll, ULM picked to finish dead last, 14th. Warhawks right now off to their best conference start since 2006-2007 with that 3-1 and mark. I think, in my opinion, the most impressive thing about Louisiana Monroe right now is their defense holding SBC teams to just 62 points per game during conference play. That's fifth best in the league. And during conference play, also the second best field goal percentage defense. I think something special could really be happening down in Monroe, Louisiana. But that's not the only thing special happening at ULM. Take a listen to this, courtesy of the Louisiana Monroe Men's Basketball Twitter account. I, I love stories like this. I won't spoil it, but listen to this. I got some positive news. I got some great news uh, for you to start this guy. We're going to start our week off. I have, I have a scholarship available for this spring. And I'm going to give it to our man, Edwin Liddell. Those are always the stories that tug on the heartstrings a little bit. Congratulations to Edwin Lidolf, who just got brought on full ride scholarship. Uh, you know he has been out there working hard and rewarded for it. We mentioned at the top of our show that we would hear from App State head coach Dustin Kearns. That's coming up in a moment. His Mountaineers 9-8 and eight overall this year, but 2-2 two and two in Sunbelt play. 
App State has put together back-to-back wins, took down Coastal Carolina, and then an impressive showing against James Madison down in Harrisonburg, a 71-62 victory on national television for App State. The Mountaineers have had kind of up-and-down results this year, but perhaps starting to right the ship a little bit, and they, much like a handful of Sunbelt teams, have been impressive defensively this year. 75th in the country in scoring defense are these Mountaineers who host Georgia Southern at 3-1 on Thursday night. App State allowing just 64.9 points per game, getting double-figure points per game contributions offensively from Tyree Boykin and Donovan Gregory, also 9.1 from Terrence Harkham. Six new faces on this Mountaineers roster as Kearns tries to get App State back to the top of the mountain and Sunbelt champions once again. Dustin Kearns, head coach of App State men's basketball, joins the pod now. Coach Kearns, I know you're a busy guy. We're getting into the meat of the conference schedule. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes. Jake, it's great to be on here, and congrats to what you're doing, and and uh, it's great to be on here. Okay. Hey, well, thank you again. Uh, we'll jump right into it. You know, obviously, your team right now, nine and eight, but but really uh, a tough defensive bunch averaging or allowing opponents to average just less than 65 points per game. That's 73rd best in the country. You know, they always say teams take on the persona of their head coach. Your, your team, having watched games that you've played, you're always fighting until the end. You're always in it till the end. You never give up. You play tough defense. Is, is that kind of a how you would describe yourself as a coach, kind of a gritty, never give up type guy? Yeah, you know, in coaching, uh, at least I hope so, right? I, I, I want our team to have a identity of, uh, fighting and in in the sense of like a toughness, a blue collar mentality. We're going to roll our sleeves up, and and when I say fight, as means like we're nothing's going to be easy with us. Uh, you know, hopefully, and because in coaching, nothing was easy for me. You know, played high school basketball at the Winningest High School, uh, but from there, you know, really got into coaching and just had to really work and grind my way up. And so, what certainly wasn't, you know born on third base when it comes to the coaching world. And and that's common. There's a lot of Mark few wasn't, uh, um, I could keep, I mean, Scott drew, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that had to really work their way up, uh, Bruce Pearl, uh, whatever it may be. And so I, I certainly want, regardless, it's not about me, but I just want our team to have that identity that we're a tough blue collar, old fashioned, uh, work team. Well, they say defense wins championships. That's the old coach's adage. You know, you talk about your coaching career and other coaches who have kind of gone different stops. You started at Tennessee Tech as a director of basketball ops, and then you've been at Tennessee, Wofford, Santa Clara, Presbyterian as the head coach, and now App State. I'm curious, what's your coaching journey been like? Yeah, I think that once you enter into coaching and and you got to realize that this is a labor of love, you've got to love mentoring kids, you've got to love developing kids you've got to love you know I love the relationship I love being going to a former player's wedding I love you know seeing pictures if they have a child and things like that and really hey coach I, I shared some one time a, a guy told me hey coach I, I shared something with my uh, team that you shared with me 15 years ago like that's as just as rewarding as a win mm-hmm. and but you know it's a labor of love 
Uh, and sometimes in coaching, two plus two does not equal four. And so my point that is you've got to just create your own journey, your own path. Uh, there's no crystal ball to tell you which path to take. You've got to just really surround yourself with uh, with people you want to be around and, and, and just continue to evolve and grow. Coaching is a, a, a development profession. It's a growing profession in the sense like you've got to continue to learn and and, and adapt to uh, styles of play and, and and certainly what fits your team and all that stuff. When you were the head coach at Presbyterian, your team was one of the most prolific three-point shooting teams in the country. And, and this year's App State team, you know, right now you you average uh, the 80th most three-point attempts of any team in the country. And I believe you averaged just a little under nine three-pointers made per game. From a coaching philosophy, just how beneficial is, is effective three-point shooting in this modern era of college basketball? Yeah, I just think it's the greatest equalizer. When you look at the top of the NBA, when you look at European basketball, um, yes, we all want size and athleticism and things like that, but shooting translates. It translates at every level. Look at the Golden State Warriors in the sense last year, maybe not the the biggest team, the most athletic team, but they had guys that were on the floor that could shoot the ball and stretch it. And I just think that shooting translates. Um you know, I think we can teach people how to play defense. I think you can teach someone and you can rep out things. But I think what's really hard as a coach is to teach touch and shooting is touch a, such a touch thing. And so it really goes back to recruiting and then kind of just letting guys play loose, free and confident. Uh, but I do think that tr- shooting just translates. If you can't shoot the ball as a team very well, teams are going to pack it in and really make things difficult. But when you can shoot, uh, even if maybe you're not as athletic or things like that, you can still create some opportunities to score. I read a really good story in the run-up to our, our chat here uh, from James Parker of the Appalachian Online. And the first graph of it is a quote from you. It says, this is a Division One basketball practice. If your coaches have to tell you to talk on offense, then maybe basketball isn't your sport. How would you sum up the way you all practice? I mean, that sounds like a very intense, high-level practice. Yeah, I just think, you know, everything's you got your moments, right? I think you got to be yourself. Uh, and, and I think at this point during the season, we're not really, quote, practicing very much. It's maybe an hour out on the court. We're doing some skill work and shooting. It's a long season. It's a lot of travel. You can kind of get worn out from that. And so that was a moment where certainly communication solves a lot of issues, you know, defensively, offensively, um, just when you really watch the film and comes back to like it eight times out of 10, it just comes back to just simple communication. So just really trying to train your team to communicate with each other in an era where let's off the court kids don't do what you and I are doing right now. And that's just talking. It's more of a texting. It's more of a, you know, communication through, um, you know, typing and things. And so trying to just build habits of just simple communication um, and, and that always solves a lot of problems, but, but basketball is a team sport and this isn't golf. It's not tennis. It's not swimming, even though those sports quote, have a team aspect. But my point is like, there's five guys always out there. There's always five guys always out there and, um, communication is a big deal. 
Yeah, you're so right. You know, the the human element of interpersonal communication is is so key, especially like you mentioned, kind of in an era where that's gone by the wayside a little bit. A lot of stuff is done is done virtually. Yeah, no question, absolutely, and and so it's just uh, you know, there's a great um, video out a few years ago of PJ Tucker um communicating when he was with the usa team and things like that but just high level communication and we always show our team that in a sense like hey like this is this is nothing to do with shooting this has nothing to do with rebounding he is helping his team by just communicating at a high level your trio of cj huntley donovan gregory and tyree boykin how would you assess the way those three have really tackled the season and, and progressed as the year has gone on yeah, I think you you hit it there with you said progressed. I just think that, you know, it's a long season. You can't get too high with the highs and low with the lows. And it sometimes it takes some guys to adjust. And, and with Boykin, you know, moving up from Division two level, and, you know, he's certainly been adjusted, had to adjust, and he has. And Donovan Gregory's kind of got a new role for us, playing a, you know, a point forward type thing and the ball in his hands a little bit more. And then CJ's had to adjust being at the top of the scouting reports now. And so – you know, teams are keyed in on him. And so I think that's it, it, it's a progression with adjustment. And, uh, you know, certainly those guys have continued to get better with it. I always love hearing coaches' perspectives on this because you, you talk about, you know, adding guys through the transfer portal and, and bringing some guys up from a different level. You know, the transfer portal has really changed the way collegiate athletics as a whole is done. I'm curious, you know, how beneficial or or what are your thoughts as a coach about the transfer portal? Sure. Well, you know, I think that um, I don't have a problem with kids being able to transfer. I think that um, they certainly have got the opportunity to 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 they've got one playing career, and uh, there's there's sometimes it they, even at the, the 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 professional level, sometimes it's it's it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but they've got the opportunity with free agency, and then and so it trickles down to college sports. And I don't have a problem with it if you. It, you want to go to another college and let's go to a college. I think we've all got to, to, to embrace it in the sense like, Hey, like uh, everybody's got the opportunity to make their own, you know, choices and things like that. But I, you know, in the same sense from a, from building a program standpoint, um, we've got to, you know, as just as coaches in the sense of, you know, before it's, you know, whether it's redshirting a kid, whether it's developing a kid, whether it's, you know, you pride yourself on player development, but whether it's just, um, you know, building quote for the future, I think that those quote thought processes, you know, have, have forced me and my staff to kind of rethink um, some things because there is so many quote hypotheticals. Um, but, you know, just because a kid transfers doesn't mean that it's a, it's a negative one way or another. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a free choice there in a sense. And so let's support these kids. Um, let's, let's, let's provide them with opportunities. And, and if they feel like an opportunity is better then they have, they have that green light to go do it. And we've got to be able to just embrace it and support them and, and you know move on with our own our own rosters and things like that in a sense but i don't have a problem with it and um it's uh it's just where we're at 
I talked to a national college basketball writer earlier this year who said that he his dark horse pick to win the Sun Belt was App State men's basketball. I, I'm curious, is that maybe a, a role that you and your team thrive in, kind of that underdog role of, hey, you know, being the, the hunter instead of the hunted? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good question. I, I, I just think we try to thrive in the process and not get too high with the highs and low with the lows. It's a long season, taking a day-at-a-time approach. Um, you know, we're dealing with humans and humans have bad days. And, um, and so, you know, there's going to be some days where we just have an off night shooting or just don't particularly play well, or give the other team credit. They had a great game plan that took us out and they just beat us. But I think they're also just, uh, being able to bounce back, turn the page, new day. Um, how do we get better type thing? Um, is the approach. And so we'll see. I, I don't know if I have the answer as far as we better being hunted or or the hunter. Um, you know, last year for the you know majority of the season, we were in first place. Um, but and we ended up finishing second in the regular season. And but you know, I, every team's different. That was last year's team. This team's different. This team's on a new journey. And uh, you know, a lot of times you're only as good as your last game. You know, we talked earlier about the human element, and and one of the things that sticks out to me in your Twitter bio, you have your children in there, and being a father is very important to you. Being a, a coach and balancing a family life, how how difficult is that, or what are the joys or challenges of that? Yeah, so you know, basketball is what I do, but it's not who I am. You know, at first, I'm a, I'm a I'm a dad and a, and a husband, and th- th- this is a profession that is impossible to do at home. And so we have to 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 be with our teams in practice and we have to travel and play road games. We also have to go out and recruit. Uh, we also have other responsibilities within the university to go out and speaking and, and interacting with alumni and and people and things like that. So that's the first dose of reality is it's a, it's a profession that's just impossible to do at home. Um, and so, however, couldn't be done without them. You know, we've got good, good players and sense of good kids where. You know, I want them to my kids to be around them and, you know, serve as mentors and things like that. My kids look up to them. It's really fun to hear my kids, you know, talk about our players in a way of a role model. And um, and, and that's always great. And, and but also my wife uh, could not do it without her. No way um, from from just support and also what all she does as a mom uh, to uh you know, allow me to, 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 to do the things that we do. I mean, and so it's important, like I said, to, it's also important sometimes to, to, to show our team that I am a dad and I am a husband. And I left practice early this year because uh, it was a situation where um, we someone had to pick our son up for school. We'd exhausted all possibilities, exhausted grandparents. We exhausted friends. And so I just simply told our team, guys, I'm going to leave practice early. I've got to go pick up my son. And I hope that you guys see me as as what I really am, which is a dad. And so we've got great assistant coaches. They'll handle the rest of practice. But I think it's also very important sometimes for your team to to, to see that, um, you know, side of you. Listen, I, I love my parents. They're great parents. So I, I, I get it 100 percent being a being a parent, being a, taking an active role in your family's life is so important. Uh, you know, in terms of 
sort of unsung heroes though of life around basketball you know you started as a director of ops there are managers or are the behind the scenes people like dobos and managers that don't get a ton of credit are they the unsung heroes of college basketball well i just i don't know if that's the 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 proper label all i do know is they're extremely critical you know when you when you're traveling and all of a sudden there's food and water on the bus, that's a big deal. Um, in the sense of like, and I don't say that in a quote entitled way, like, hey, I, I expect to get on the bus and there's food and food and drinks and things like that. But it's uh those people are critical when you're dealing with an organization that's involving 25, 30 people, and there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of behind the scenes of some work that some people just don't want to do. And so, you know, I think it's, 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 those are some selfless jobs sometimes and, and, uh, probably need to be recognized even more. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, those people, those, those positions are extremely, extremely critical in organization success because they, they can take a lot of mind space. They can take a lot of, um, thought process proactivity off of the coach's plate to, to spend more time on spending time with players watching film or being on the court and so um at the end of the day that it, it is a you know like a like a ga in a part-time coaching position and so those guys are very very critical through the run of this podcast everybody i've talked to whether it's Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill or Anita Howard at Georgia Southern, Tony Kemper, women's basketball coach at Marshall. They've all said the same thing about the Sunbelt. And it's a tight knit group of schools that have very involved fan bases and communities. And I, from what I've learned about App State, it's the exact same way. So I'm curious for you, what's it like being the head coach down in Boone, North Carolina? It's incredible. It's very humbling. This is a wonderful community with wonderful people. Also, App State is a wonderful university with wonderful people. And I think when you really go back to it, like what makes a place special, it goes back to the people. Yeah, we've got great facilities. We've got great buildings on campus. You can't take that with you when you leave App State. What you can take are relationships with administrators, professors, uh, people on campus, teammates. And so from our leadership team with our Chancellor Sherry Everts to our Director of Athletics, Doug Gillen, uh, to a very, very passionate, supportive fan base that has really helped us change the perception and identity of App State basketball. Uh, it has been done by a lot of people, including our fan base and, and people on campus. And so it's a special place. And I think that the way I always kind of describe it is it's real. And sometimes what I mean by that is uh, I've, I've worked at other institutions and this is real. This is a real place with real people that genuinely care about our student athletes, that genuinely care about uh, our success and are just true, passionate fans. We've got some I, I really believe we've got some some fans that really pay attention to no other team in America or, you know, Georgia and TCU's playing a national football game. They didn't even watch it because App State's not playing. All I'm saying about that is like it, it's a true, true, passionate place. And there's one team here and it's App State. And there's really something cool about that. 
I'm going to put you on the spot for a second, and I don't want to get you in trouble with the corporate partnerships people at App State, but what's the best place to eat in Boone, North Carolina? <laughs> well, let me just leave it at this. I think that there's a lot of places, and I'm not trying to be cliche-ish, right. right? However, there's a lot of just local places. We don't have a ton of chain restaurants here, and we like that, uh, but there are a ton of of, of you know, local places, whether it's uh, River Street Ale House, um, whether it's Casa Rustica, you know, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Lost Province downtown or the Daniel Boone Inn. If you haven't, you know, if you if you if you come to Boone, you've got to try the Daniel Boone Inn right on essentially right on campus. It's a, it's a it's a, quote, you know, legendary local place. But there's a lot of good places. And um, that's the beauty of it. It's it's uh, there's many restaurants to try and and uh, in the surrounding area that are really really good. I think the best way to get the lay of the land of a place you've never been is to go try the local cuisine. And so I always ask coaches to play, especially places I haven't been before. Hey, what's the best place to go eat? So that, I'm gonna have to make a trip down to Boone, North Carolina, and go try the the Daniel Boone Inn. Then come on down. I'll take you. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. Thank you for jumping on the podcast, and best of luck the rest of the year. We will catch up down at the conference tournament. Jake, thanks so much. Once again, it's an honor to be on here. Congrats to to everything you're doing. I think it's innovative, and I think it's um, you know really a brand that you created, and, and you're really an impressive guy. And, and and really wish you all the best, and look forward to seeing you down at Pensacola. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Go Mountaineers, take the stairs. The team is responsible for this, right? So I preach all the time that, that there's, there's one thing we're all worried about, right? There's one thing that we're on a mission to do, and it's to win the game is the idea. And I know there's coaches all around the country that wouldn't say it's winning. It's never, yeah, it's uh, not the process. Yeah it's, yeah, it's part of the process, but the goal is to win the game, right? And so um, I think they're bought into that. That was the voice of Sean O'Regan, the head coach of James Madison women's basketball. His Dukes right now, 4-0 and entering a new weekend of Sunbelt play. Not only that, JMU women's basketball has rattled off 11 straight victories. You want to talk about an impressive bunch, JMU women's basketball. I've said it the last couple podcasts, nobody is hotter right now in Sunbelt women's basketball than James Madison. And it's not just in the Sun Belt. We're approaching territory where there are few teams in the country hotter than JMU. The Dukes, as mentioned, that 11-game win streak, fifth nationally. South Carolina, Ohio State, LSU, Cleveland State are the only teams that have won more. They're currently tied with Stanford for the fifth longest win streak. Both the Cardinal and the Dukes have won 11 consecutive games. JMU's net ranking up to 81. They currently pace the Sun Belt women's side in net ranking. A lot of their success this season can be credited to Kiki Jefferson, who is their leading scorer, averaging north of 18 points per game on the year, also averaging 8.3 rebounds per game. But within conference play, Jefferson averaging 10 rebounds per game. She and the Dukes will host App State at the Atlantic Union Bank Center on Thursday night, a 7 p.m. Eastern tip-off in a series that will get going for the first time since 1991. Turning back the clock a little bit there. 
James Madison won that last meeting 84-58. Around Sunbelt women's basketball, they're not the only hot team at the moment. Georgia Southern, we had Anita Howard, their head coach on the podcast in the inaugural episode. Well, Georgia Southern is a very tough team to deal with right now. And a lot of it, thanks to Taryn Ward, 18.4 points per game. Right now, Ward pacing the Sun Belt in points per game during conference play. Ward's really heated up since the calendar flipped to January. 23.8 points per game. Had a double-double last week and a win against Coastal Carolina. 20.8 rebounds in the win on the road against Marshall. Taryn Ward has turned into such an impressive player. Anita Howard sort of hinted at her growth when we talked to her back in week one of this podcast, but we're not very far removed from Ward turning in a 40.6 rebound performance back on Saturday, December 31st. She is the engine that has made this Georgia Southern team go, and it is all about offense down in Statesboro. Georgia Southern has not tapered off one bit since conference play began. Second in the country in points per game average, 88.9 points per game. 31st in the country in field goal percentage, 29th in three-point percentage. Anita Howard's Eagles are Burning up the net right now. Jumping over to the women's side of the Sun Belt standings, you've got James Madison, the aforementioned Dukes, 11 consecutive wins. Georgia Southern has won three straight, as has Troy. Right now, behind James Madison, a little bit of a log jam with Georgia Southern, Southern Miss, and Troy all three and one. Texas State at three and two. Remember, the Bobcats picked to finish fifth in the SBC preseason poll. But then after Texas State, that's where the real logjam begins. Marshall, ODU, Louisiana, App State, and ULM all at two and two. And then Arkansas State, South Alabama at the bottom, each at O and four. It's that time once again, the Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod provided to us by our friends over at herhoopstats.com. Just a little bit about Her Hoop Stats. They were founded in 2017. They aim to provide consistent, reliable, and easy-to-access data about women's basketball. It was founded with the help of volunteers as well, doing the Lord's work, digging deep into the analytics of women's basketball. And I say it every week, but I will beat this drum from now until the end of time. They are a great tool to use for broadcasters and fans alike. There are free options. There are subscription-based options. Really check it out, herhoopstats.com. Without further ado, the Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod this week goes to the Troy Trojans and their turnover rate, which ranks 16th best in the country. They turn it over on just 15% of their possessions. Troy does a fantastic job of holding onto the ball. That is a tenant of their head coach Chanda Rigby's philosophy, which a little tip of the cap to Coach Rigby for picking up her 200th career win over the weekend. Her Troy Trojans right now, a plus 4.67 turnover margin. That is the second best in the Sun Belt right now. Holding onto the ball is so key. It's hard to win basketball games when you give it away to the other team, and Troy does not do that often. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Under the Sun podcast. I'd like to thank 
Dustin Kearns from App State for jumping on the pod. Next week, we will hear from a bevy of guests, including basketball insider and host of the Field of 68 mid-major podcast, Sean Paul. As a reminder, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts, and also new... I've teamed up with Fansided.com as a college basketball contributor on the men's and women's side, so keep an eye out for some additional Sunbelt content throughout the weeks in writing. You can always follow me on Twitter at JakeGriffithPXP. That's at JakeGriffithPXP on Twitter. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Under the Sun. 